And now let's talk about our next partner, Grove Collaborative. Did you know that only 9% of plastic actually gets recycled, no matter how much we put in our recycling bin? Well, at Grove Collaborative, they believe it's time to ditch single-use plastics for good. Grove carries hundreds of products aimed at replacing single-use plastics across your home and personal care routine. And by 2025, Grove will be 100% plastic-free. Like Grove Collaborative's concentrated cleaners and refillable glass bottles, they're friendlier to the planet and twice as effective as the leading natural brands. Switch to sustainable products for every room in your home, from laundry care to hand soaps and more. Grove Collaborative has you covered with safe formulas and refillable packaging that never compromise on performance. Personally, I love the Blueberry Treasure soft-baked dog treats because, well, it takes the guesswork out of knowing if I'm getting something with good ingredients for my doggo, and he absolutely loves them. Grove Collaborative is revolutionary. Join over 2 million households already shopping sustainably at Grove. Go to grove.com slash Midas Touch today to get a free gift worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus, shipping is fast and free. Get started right now at grove.com slash Midas Touch. That's grove.com slash Midas Touch. MAGA extremist Marjorie Taylor Greene attacked Midas Touch for being one of the first media networks to report that on at least three separate occasions during the Trump administration, there were Chinese spy balloons over the continental United States, and Trump did absolutely nothing about it. She called us Biden propagandists, but after we were proven to be correct, Marjorie Taylor Greene and the MAGA Republicans then went on to blame the, quote, command structure and the deep state when Donald Trump was in office and controlled the command structure. I, and I think every logical person out there, blame the fact that, I don't know, Trump is a fascist traitor who intentionally covered it up and said on at least a few occasions he was, quote, like, too smart to read intelligence briefings. Come also, on. it's the same traitor who called our military veterans suckers and losers. And when it came to COVID testing, he just said, don't test, and then we can pretend it doesn't exist. That is who we are dealing with. I mean, Brett and Jordy, isn't the MAGA Republican fake outrage machine just so pathetic and weak, especially when you call it out in unapologetically pro-democracy terms, right? It's a bunch of petulant third graders just lying every single moment of every single day. They hate our country. They do. No offense to petulant third graders. Now we're going to talk about some good news. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Let's go. While MAGA Republicans were and are rooting against the United States economy and fighting against the American worker and continue to try to fight to take away your social security and your Medicare, an unexpectedly massively impressive jobs report came out on Friday showing 517,000 new jobs were created by President Biden in January alone. This exceeded expectations by more than three times. President Biden has created more than 12 million jobs since taking office, and he has created the lowest 
unemployment in America since 1969. So you know what that means, da da da. Cue the MAGA Republican fake outrage machine. What they got this time for us, brothers? Well, here's the new one. Are you ready for this? The Democrats are taking away your chocolate milk. Yeah, Um, seriously. Come on. Green M&Ms, Mr. Potato Head, Dr. Seuss, gas stoves, and now chocolate milk. This was tweeted out by Elise Stefanik, who's one of the leaders, and for good measure, then reposted, Brett, what, by the House Judiciary uh, Committee, you know, one of the... House Judiciary Twitter account Twitter? now is just like a troll account. It's just it's just Twitter trolling. That's that's all How they embarrassing. do. How embarrassing! How embarrassing! They're supposed to do stuff related to the judiciary, but alas, they're not. <laughs> they have no shame. Speaking of someone having no shame, Donald Trump filed a notice of appeal after posting a one million dollar bond with a federal court on Friday. This appeal that he filed the notice of appeal rather it relates to the one million dollar sanctions order that. Trump Trump and Alina Haba were slammed with back in January by a federal judge in the Southern District of Florida. This frivolous appeal itself may be subject to more sanctions. I'll explain why that's Alina Haba for those watching on our YouTube channel, like the worst lawyer in American history. And I think we got to do the countdown before one of the state bars start investigating her. And President Biden is set to give his State of the Union address on Tuesday, February 7th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. And of course, We will be broadcasting the State of the Union live right here on the Midas Touch Network, the only destination for the State of the Union. And our pre-coverage will begin at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. We will be having lots of guests on. We will be having the Midas presentation that you have come to love. This is the Midas Touch Podcast. I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Brett and Jordy Micellis. The Mad Libs continues here. Chocolate milk, and we're just getting started, huh? Another week, another barrage of outrage from the Republican Party, and it's no coincidence that we are hearing this outrage right on the release of an incredible jobs report. Mm -hmm. If you notice, the outrage always gets ramped up at particular times. It's always exists. It's 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 their thing. It's all they do every single day. It's throw BS out there, throw disinformation out there. But especially if there is good news about the Biden administration, especially if there is an upcoming meeting. between the Biden administration and Chinese officials, all of a sudden you start to see these issues be blown up, uh, no pun intended with the balloon situation, by the Republican Party. And before we dig into it all, I got to say, Ben, this over the weekend, I binged the three episodes of Killing County, the series that you did with Colin Kaepernick and ABC News, the docuseries. So I know I'm biased here. I'm going to openly admit that I know I'm biased (laughs) as your brother. But you know I would tell it to you straight. It's such an incredible piece of work. It's so powerful. I feel for those families to see the corruption that happened in plain sight, that continues to happen in plain sight. It's just so sickening. And I'm so happy that the world is getting to see exactly what is happening in Kern County in Bakersfield. Kevin McCarthy's district, by the way, it's it's truly horrifying, but an incredible job, an incredible presentation. Uh, Just really proud of you for that, Ben. 
Thank you, everybody. Check it out. It's on Hulu right now. It goes into the true crime docuseries. It goes into the crime. The corruption has the highest crime in the country, highest homicide rate in the country, most police shooting deaths in the country. And, you know, Kevin McCarthy and these MAGA Republicans, they like to go around and say, we're for law and order. But as you'll see on this episode, right, it's it's all performative. You know, they may say that, Trump's the most American first ever. Why? Because you you say that your actions speak <laughs> the complete contrary. So you may say law and order, but in actuality, it's break the law and complete disorder in your district. And I think it is important to push back on these phony narratives at all times that are created by these MAGA Republicans and shed light on what is really taking place. And we had a former Bakersfield police officer who interviewed, who talked from the inside perspective about what was actually going on there. The Bakersfield police, of course, we gave them an opportunity to show up. You know, I I wanted them to participate and I wanted them to get their view out. And they refused. They declined to participate. After it was released, they said, we're considering creating a transparency portal. (laughs) Like they all like who it's the same people who advise them with these idiotic things. You're thinking about creating a transparency portal now. How about you showed up on the documentary and you gave your version of events? And by the way, we had a former BPD officer show up, talked about the corruption, talked about how the police officers in Kevin McCarthy's district were dealing drugs into the community using confidential informants off the books because the police officers were the drug dealers in Kevin McCarthy's community. That's what was taking the place. And they got convicted of it. And by the way, the government requested a 15-year minimum sentence, but the federal judge, who was a retired law enforcement before becoming federal judge, gave only five years to the cops, a downward departure, which is almost unheard of, of five years, crediting their service on the police department as a positive. So check this out. And then to your point, Brett, the courage of these families, mm-hmm. which you really see in episode three, gives you hope in all of this despair that there is a way out of this and the families united. So thanks for calling that out, Brett. And I might as well point out as well that I also launched a new podcast here on the Midas Touch Network with Michael Cohen. It's called The Political Beatdown. It will be every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12 Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. So make sure you subscribe there on the audio and check us out live on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Jordy, you haven't given your intro yet. I'm sorry for stealing your thunder. Don't worry about it, Ben. It was uh, it was for a worthy cause, so I'm happy. And I just really do want to say, big bro, I am very proud of you, man. It's 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 super compelling and super important, and just proud of you, proud of you. What I am super excited about today, and you know, I don't want to give anything away, but guys, I've been putting a lot of work into these ad reads, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to say. Well, they that's, were a fan favorite in the last one, so let's see if the, I let's tra- see if you top your your work, Jordy, in the last because people. I genuinely worry about myself though, where you get more positive feedback on your ad reads than what my video is actually about. I'm going for it today. 15 minute complex breakdown on super seedious uh, bonds and this and that and 19, you know, 28 USC 1983. I go I go deep and then Jordy goes, "Hey, if you want to get this, go for it." Everyone's like, "Jordy, magnificent ad read." <laughs> yes. Those are all the comments. I'm like, yes. "Okay." I I well, love it. But let's well, get let's right get into, into it. it. Let's get into it. So 
let's start off with our post that we made because it kind of ties in a nice bow this whole balloon saga, right, that was taking place. So we were one of the first to actually report and did a video. We beat all the large media networks to it. Here was the major breaking post that we put out. The Pentagon confirms that at least three Chinese spy balloons flew over the U.S. during Trump's presidency, and he hid them from the public and never shot them down. And we learned about that directly from the Department of Defense that put out a release. And we had learned earlier in the day before Biden, there it is right there from the Department of Defense.gov. And we had learned from Biden, we could pull up this video, that immediately upon learning about this spy balloon, Biden ordered it be shot down, but in a way that was safe. It was 200 feet tall. We've now learned that the uh, fallout trail from shooting it down was about kind of seven miles long. So you don't want to shoot it down and hurt or kill Americans. And, you know, we also learned, of course, that what the, what the military was able to do right away was disable all of the technology that was in the tracking device. They were able to freeze it, and then we were able to extract information from it. So kind of the perfect trifecta, if you will, of steps that we take, right? Ordering it being shot down, neutralizing the threat, and then making sure we protect the safety of Americans. So this is what Biden said. Play the clip. On Wednesday, when I was briefed on the balloon, I ordered the Pentagon to shoot it down on Wednesday as soon as possible. They decided, without doing damage to anyone on, on the ground, they decided that the best time to do that was as it got over water, outside within our within 12 mile limit. They successfully took it down, and I want to compliment our aviators who did it, and we'll have more to report on this uh, a little. F-22 took it down. It was a great military success. And Brett and Jordy, this is the type of thing that in the past national security issue should be a bipartisan issue, Absolutely. right? This should be something that America comes together regardless, Democrat, Republican, independent. And frankly, it is an issue where Democrats were handling it with normalcy. But here, pull up some of these photos, if we have them, of some of these MAGA Republicans like with their weapons. Like there's J.D. Vance with his assault weapon pointing into the sky. There's Kerry Lake dressed in a hunting shotgun, outfit. it looks like. Come on. With a shotgun pointed at the sky saying, I'm told there's a balloon that needs to be taken care of. Um, J.D. Vance, senator from Ohio, Paul Gosar, count me in, you know, with his handgun. I, I don't I shouldn't even have to mention it here. Those weapons would do nothing but but imperil the safety of Americans because those bullets eventually fall down and could kill. Well, let's, Americans. let's let's pause there for a second. Let's think about that, because these people do have influence. Sadly, they do have influence over Americans. There are people who listen to them. In some cases, there are some people who listen to their every word like in a cultish way, especially if you look at somebody like Carrie Lake and those diehard people who are still showing up to these loser rallies. You have somebody like that trying to do this macho kind of cosplay WWE routine of everybody get your guns out and shoot in the sky. You might actually get people who do that mm -hmm. and you could get a stray bullet taking somebody out on the way down. Like it's actually incredibly dangerous to even be joking about those things, Jordy. Well, Brett, let me, let me just say this. They're not joking. That's what they want. That's actually 
For these MAGA Republicans who don't give a damn about this country, that is best case scenario for them. Is that balloon still up in the sky and all of a sudden people start taking matters into their own hands and start hurting themselves because the balloon's up there? Then they could point at Biden and be like, oh my goodness, look at this American who died trying to take down the balloon that you should have taken down. That's best case. They don't care about the country. They wanted Biden to blow that thing up over the US before it got to a safe space, hoping that the debris would probably come down and hurt and kill Americans. So then they could have another talking point yet again against the Biden administration. But Biden said, no, I'm not playing this game with you. This isn't, you don't play games when it's a matter of life or death. What we're going to do is we're going to follow the proper commands that our military recommends, wait for this thing to be in a safe area where we could properly take it down. And then we're going to take it down. And we're going to take it down in a competent way. And then I'm going to be transparent with the American people about exactly how we did it. Yeah, and it's, it's just- basic kind of national security 101. And it's a serious issue. Like, we don't know how dangerous this thing is. Like, it's it's silly seeing the balloon echoes of, uh, remember Balloon Boy? I don't know why I just thought of Balloon I, Boy. Yeah. That took took the country by storm, Balloon Boy. Um, but, it, you know, it, there's like a silliness to it. But it is a national security issue where when something like this happens, we ever the way a, a government that works would work is you would have everybody, like Ben said, come together and go, okay, there's an issue out there. Great, let's solve it. Instead, you had the House Judiciary and all the Republicans literally just doing all caps tweets that goes, Chinese spy balloon, spy balloon, look at the spy balloon, like a bunch of toddlers. Like it's 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 truly, it shows you though, I really think that contrast shows you why it's so important that we actually have competent leaders who don't just sit there going, spy balloon, shoot it, shoot it, and actually go, okay, let me talk to the experts here. Let me see what they have to say. Oh, wait, you're telling me that the spy balloon is 200 feet tall? that it's as wide as three bus lengths. It has the payload size of a jetliner. That's what you're telling me. You're telling me that you don't know what could possibly be on it, that the debris could hurt people, could kill people, could destroy property. Perhaps we shouldn't shoot it down over the continental United States. And maybe we strategically figure it out while at the same time jamming the intelligence and extracting the intelligence that we need. This is actually, and you're going to see the GOP continuously try to paint this as some sort of like bad thing because in their world any any problem that arises anything that arises is the fault of the Biden administration even mm-hmm. though how it should be is the way you solve the problems is how you should be judged and I think Biden here I think he handled it brilliantly I think yeah. this was actually an incredible moment for the Biden administration that showed the serious in which the Biden administration took this and the complete unserious clown show that the Republican Party was and how lucky we are by the way that they weren't in power during this well, we know actually what happened when they were in power during this, right? And Brett, you, you, you hit the nail on the proverbial head here, bingo. I mean, they just use it to say, Biden's weak, Biden's weak on China. What was funny about what I said there? Well, I just, I, I, you just wanted to throw every phrase in one, <laughs> hit the nail on the proverbial head, get him bingo in there. Kapow, just, bingo, just, boom, boom. There's a, a lot of phrases at once. Bam. <laughs> I'm glad Brett laughed that, at it too. That's, that's, what happen, that's what happens when you become a podcaster all day and you just look in front of your computer. <laughs> that's, that's the language that you use. But yes, they want to basically say, kabam, this is how we this is how weak President Biden is, and they want to further that narrative. Even, you know, they'll step right into it, but then when they step right into it, they have no shame because no matter where the truth is reported, 
from they just go deep state deep state all a lie that's the deep state that's the woke defense department you know you really you really can't even then have the real conversation so what we posted was major breaking news the pentagon confirms that at least three chinese spy balloons flew over the u.s during trump's presidency and he hid them from the public and never shot them down and then marjorie taylor green who, by the way, as we pointed out, we have some history with Marjorie Taylor Greene, not just criticizing her in the appropriate terms on the show, but we actually sued her in federal court. This is what she writes. She goes, this is fake. Here are the facts. Biden and his regime propagandists. Is that that what she's calling us? Are we the regime propagandists? I guess. Feels a little little defaming. Are trying to give themselves cover for being incompetent fools. Now, as it became very clear that the Defense Department not only was accurate, but said, okay, we're happy to brief the Trump officials and explain to them why they were idiots and why this was so obvious to them. Such a funny point. And they either covered it up or they ignored basic intelligence. At the end of the day, you got Trump, remember, who goes, like, I'm like too smart to do intelligence briefs. So Come that's on. who we're dealing with here. And they said, we'll show you the three times that we discovered. And we actually, in the Biden administration, came up with a plan to shoot down spy balloons immediately if they entered, unlike the Trump administration, which did nothing and either covered it up or didn't realize it. This is what Marjorie Taylor Greene then changed her tune to say. She goes, if it's true, the Pentagon purposefully, purposely did not tell President Trump of the Chinese spy balloons during his administration, then we had a serious breach in command during the Trump admin. The POTUS is the commander in chief. We must investigate and hold those who broke rank. She doesn't even realize the idiocy of that statement, that he's the commander in chief. There's a breach in the command. He would be the one who leads the command. He appoints the person who leads the Department of Defense. And there's a number of other leadership that are positions that are supposed to be uh, positions that are nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate, which, by the way, Trump never even like actually went through the process and just had a bunch of clowns become acting like the acting head of this and the acting head of that. But that's the situation that we are dealing with there. Brett, what the do you make of all this? I think the backfire on them, though, is one of the all-time most hilarious backfires, that they they decided that this was going to be their cause du jour, this was going to be their outrage du jour, went all in on it, only to find out that it happened multiple times that we know of under the Trump administration, and it just completely backfired. They were left completely stunned and humiliated by it, and then they just try to change subject. They go, save chocolate milk, what are we going to do? They just try. They just live in this world of outrage, mm-hmm. and that's what fuels them because at the end of the day, they don't have a cohesive policy platform. Literally, they don't. We've seen that. They didn't even put anything on paper at the last convention. They just said whatever Trump wants to do. So that's where we're at. And then we have Marjorie Taylor Greene apparently just like leading this party. We had to remind Marjorie Taylor Greene, of course, that, oh, by the way, remember that time we sued you and settled and you paid $10,000 of our lawyer's fees, which are then donated to incredible groups uh, pushing for responsibility responsible gun ownership, like Moms Demand Action, Orange Ribbon for Jamie, which is Fred Gutenberg's organization. Great organizations, by the way, if you want to donate to them, go check them both out. Um, But, you know, I'm always going to hold that over their head because, and I'll bring up the settlement settlement for- (laughs) We always have receipts. 
We always, always have, have receipts. receipts. And these are the literal receipts. This is the actual <laughs> settlement because as part of the, here, here's a funny thing too. Okay. So let, 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 let me rewind because this, I, this is one of my favorite Midas stories. So when we sued her for this, we, we sued her because she was blocking uh, her constituents from her Twitter accounts and she was doing it from her personal account, but she was using her personal account, her personal account as a government account. She was posting government related things on it. So we argue that she was using it as a government account. She can't do that. We sued her because that is against the laws. She can't do that actually on a public, on a platform like that. And we decided to settle typically when she settles these things, when people do these settlements, oftentimes it's private. They, they say it has to be confidential. And we fought to make sure that we could share this with the public. And so we are able to put it up, like I'm able to pull it up. Who, who in what world, like how Yo, horrible. I'm going her... to frame this. I am surprised we haven't framed it yet. It is just too funny. Oh, no, it's so, so fantastic. So we beat her now. And not only did she have to pay us, she had to unblock every single person that she blocked on social media so and in perpetuity also so if marjorie taylor green ever blocks you on twitter on facebook on anything let us know because that's breaking our agreement with her and we could sue her again and donate to some more great organizations that need some cash so just throwing that out there maybe even try to get blocked i don't know it really it really was such uh, an incredible story and then i love what we did with her ten thousand dollars which was to donate it to those uh great gun reform groups i just want to say this too we had talked about this, I think, two episodes ago at this point. I, I Honestly, I forget what the conversation had become, but we said something along the lines of, this is truly the dumbest majority in Congress that we have ever seen. And you could say that and not feel bad because these people are reprehensible, but they're also stupid. And we will continue to see them step in it time and time and time again without any shame because you know they're spineless cowards who who kind of like it but there's to the point where it, it as it continues to happen and becomes a pattern day after day the playbook that they used to be so strong on which was fighting these culture war battles well, Democrats, especially in Congress now, they know how to combat these lies. They know how to put out these flames almost immediately and just move on to, hey, how can we actually help Americans while you continue to complain about goddamn chocolate milk, you losers? And the thing no, is, no doubt these, about they, it. They, I was right. going to say they know these. They they know the seriousness of it. Not all of them, but somebody like Marco Rubio, who like sits on the intelligence committee, like he he's certainly seen this before. He's certainly seen the intelligence about these balloons. Apparently, it actually happens kind of quite frequently. I mean, I don't know why they use this old kind of balloon technology. Uh, it seems like the satellites <laughs> and, and or TikTok should should do the job. But uh, the, okay, yeah, do, you do your do your balloon TikTok thing. would solve that. I am, but you have Marco Rubio like going and like spouting off nonsense because they're just performers. They're performers. They don't actually believe in trying to solve the problems. They just want to make a lot of noise because when you put the platforms up to each other and you're like, okay, Dems are trying to deliver infrastructure and healthcare and solve a global pandemic and deal with gun violence and inflation. And the GOP is like, Joe Fauci, gun pins, impeach Biden. Get rid of social security. It doesn't sell. That that stuff doesn't really sell. So they just need to continue the outrage machine and and keep fueling it. That's it's all they have. How about this, Brett? Let's just do a direct juxtaposition, which as Biden and Democrats and pro democracy are celebrating the creation of five hundred and seventeen thousand 
new jobs in January, the lowest unemployment here in the United States since 1969. This is what Republicans are doing. Let's start with Lauren Boebert, who, you know, basically completely violates, along with whatever churches that she's speaking at, all the nonprofit rules. In my own opinion, it's a violation of the law by injecting politics into the nonprofit status of these uh, religious institutions, which is something I do want to look into as well in terms of what action can private citizens take. It's a complete violation of the IRS rules. But this is what she says, you know, when she does this thing, you you know, the performance, performative fascism, where she prances around on stage and she in this one, you know, she cites um, Psalm 109.8, you know, which is about calling for uh, the death of an enemy in office and references Biden and Kamala here. Just play this performative weird, fascist, prancing around. Disgusting. Play the clip. God said that he was the provider. I know that Jesus said that he, that we would be blessed, but I just don't know about this month. And Jesus is right there at the table with you. Sam, what kind of conversation is this? Why are you talking like this? And why are you sad? Jesus, don't you know? We're out of money. COVID's hit. They shut everything down. Joe Biden's president. We don't know what to do, Lord. It's all right. We pray for our presidents. Uh, You know, it says, let his days be few and another take his office. That's why I filed articles of impeachment for Joe Biden. Unfortunately, he does have a really great insurance policy named Kamala Harris. Yeah, I mean, she's a total idiot. Let me just read Psalm 109, what it actually says. It says, let his days be few and let another take his office. Let his children be fatherless and his wife be a widow. That is what she's citing. And she knows that she's citing that. And then just overall, like, what the hell was that? What the hell was that? I mean, every aspect of that is utterly against what our constitution stands for, what the religious teachings stand for in terms of, you know, compassion, um, decency, humanity, or what it's supposed to stand for. And the fact that that's even taking place and that she's calling, again, let's not mince words here what she did. She called for the death of Biden. It was a death threat. That's what we just observed right there. Yeah. And it wasn't even the first time that she has said that. And I, you know, I respect religion. I think religion is very important for a lot of people, but what you see there is not Christianity. What you see there is a perversion of religion to try to get a political goal accomplished here. And what they've done is they have taken over these churches. They have exploited the tax system. They have exploited the fact that they're basically untouchable. And they are using these churches and these mega churches in order to spread their political beliefs, which is a clear violation to me. Like, I don't understand how a church like that has tax-free status. I cannot even begin to fathom that. That is clearly political right there. That is clearly political speech. And Lauren Boebert knows exactly what she's saying. And it's part of this domestic terrorist, stochastic terrorist fringe of the party that is stoking violence around the country. And they just don't give Mm -hmm. a damn at the end of the day about the consequences of their words. 
And if you are a religious person, if you are a Christian and you watch that, that should infuriate you to your core. How she is using those psalm, how 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 she's going on stage and just bastardizing your religion for her own public gain. It is it is in, it's infuriating to me. And so when we talk about, it's a great point, Jordan. When we talk about what they're doing, again, we always come with receipts. So right when we're talking about, you know. Uh, the chocolate milk as their way to distract from the fact that Trump was okay with Chinese spy balloons on three occasions. Like this is, this is the receipt. Like there's a tweet from Elise Stefanik that actually says that. And then there's the House Judiciary Committee that says save chocolate milk. And so when we talk about that the MAGA Republicans want to take away your social security and take away your Medicare, unlike the MAGA Republicans, which spread pop propaganda and engaged in fear mongering, we'll show you the videos of their leadership saying it. So let's just go through that. Here's a video of former Vice President Mike Pence calling for the privatization of social security for young people as a way to cut spending on public benefits play this clip. Men and women, 70% of what we spend at the national level is on entitlements. And the truth is, we've got to have a conversation. I was a part of it when George W. Bush proposed Social Security reform in 2005. The time has come for us to have the kind of leadership that says to everyone that's got hair the same color as me, nothing's going to change for you. But to give younger Americans better choices that would also be better for the country, I think is an idea whose time has come. I think it's absolutely essential that we, we generate leadership in this country that'll, that'll be straight with the American people, that will take us off this, this trajectory of massive debt that we're, we're piling on the backs of those grandchildren and says there's a way back. There are modest reforms in entitlements that can be done without disadvantaging anybody at the point of the need. And actually, I think, I think the day could come when we, could re we can replace the New Deal with a better deal. Literally give younger Americans the ability to take a portion of their Social Security withholdings and put that into a private savings account that the government would oversee. Yeah. So there he's basically saying that he thinks that social security should be privatized. I mean, that's so much coded language there too, to like get the point without like even directly, even though at the, by the end he does kind of directly say it, but throughout the thing is like, we need to make tough choices. And I was, this was my first time listening with headphones. And he like does this weird breathing thing. If you're listening, if you're listening to headphones, I apologize because that was horrible to listen to. He was like, <laughs> "Did you hear that, Jay? I know you're here." Yeah. It was, it was, it was really Kevin, tough. Kevin I, McCarthy does that too. It's like a way they filibuster. Well, no, it's no, that's not it, Ben. It, it's actually their soul leaving their body as they lie <laughs> to uh, countless of Americans. That's what that is. <laughs> okay, so so that was Social Security doing, Jake. Um, this is Matt Gates on the Steve Bannon show. By the way, Steve Bannon, a convicted uh, criminal at this point, who's also under criminal indictment in New York 
for the We Build the Wall scam, which he was pardoned for by Donald Trump. Gates is under child sex trafficking investigation by the Department of Justice. And these are leaders in the Republican Party today, some of the top leaders. And Gates says he personally supports cutting Social Security and Medicare. Um, but said that Republicans should start with cuts to SNAP or food stamps and Medicaid. Here, play this clip. I just don't understand why we're a country that pays people who could go to work not to. And when I how go big to, how big a deal is that? Look, does that come does that come away with does that come away with the emergency measures coming off, or is it deeper? Oh, considerably deeper. Okay. And, and by the way, that. it pays you on both sides of the ledger, right? If you impose work requirements on all means tested entitlement programs for working age people, not for the disabled, not for uh, seniors, but for working age people. It's a trillion dollars in savings during the 10 year budget window. This is in Medicaid and other. This is in Medicaid and in in food stamps and food stamps. Uh, Discretionary spending. Yeah, those are the biggest. The biggest chunks are from the Obamacare Medicaid expansion to able bodied adults and and to Social Social Security and and, it's over 400. Social Security and Medicare are off the table, but you're saying you're taking Medicaid and other aspects of discretionary oh, look, spending. If it was if it was Matt Gates, I, I think that we do need reforms to Social Security and Medicare. I understand politically enough people. But that can come later. That's not going to happen now. Right. Medicaid and you don't need to have. By it the way, happen. Medicaid right. should not be a sacred cow. Big time. And so and by, it hasn't ahead. been. You notice right. people don't talk about Medicaid. No, it's the same always, when they're it's talking about Medicare, Social Security. Security. Right. Right. So so with Medicaid, I think there's a lot of meat on the bone for savings in SNAP. Uh, you can get over $400 billion in savings. Here's the thing, Democrats, the pro-democracy movement, we are far more fiscally conservative than these morons. I mean, what he doesn't say there, Donald Trump added 25% of the debt, 25% in one term. It's almost impossible to do that. 25% to the United States debt. And then that number as well, uh, ballooned under Ronald Reagan, um, as well as George W. Bush. These people don't get to say they are fiscally conservative. And one of the messaging points that Democrats need to be very aware of, we're fiscally conservative. At the end of the day, we're fiscally responsible. When, when we're talking about the debt ceiling, it is about paying bills that Donald Trump, George W. Bush, and Ronald Reagan ran up. Meanwhile, Biden has decreased the deficit by trillions of dollars. I mean, objectively, if you want to talk about who is fiscally conservative, where are the cuts coming from? It is coming from Democratic administrations. But Gates wasn't done yet. Gates then went on the Joe Pags show, whatever that is, and said, one of these right-wing MAGA fascist shows, and said, poor people should have to work if they want health care, that it's not a right for people, that poor people should basically, what, die um, if they're not working? Play this clip. Like, we've had some liberal outlets attack me and say, oh my gosh, Matt Gates thinks that poor people should have to go to work to get their health care. Yeah. I do. I, I can't even believe that's controversial. <laughs> it shouldn't be. It's a firebrand Matt Gates. Go and follow him right Yeah, I mean, firebrand Matt Gates. Go follow him right now. The WWE star. He's going to do a smackdown on these libs. He's going to do a smackdown on these woke libs and show how woke they are for, I don't know, delivering health care to human beings. And, and he's going to own the woke the woke libs by getting them more by by being against Biden, getting them more jobs and and getting people a living wage and not the minimum wage. I mean, a bunch of idiots. And he's not he's not done there. He went on the same show and said there's plenty of meat 
on the bone to cut in mm-hmm. Medicaid. Play this clip. But the argument from the other side, and you know this, is Matt Gates wants to take your Social Security and wants to take your Medicaid and Medicare. That's what he wants to do. He's mean. He doesn't want you to have the only, your money that you sent into the government. He doesn't think that you should have it back. And of course, that's untrue. But, but what response do you give to that? Because a lot of people in America are busy and will believe what they hear. Well, I think that everyone has said that you know Social Security and Medicare are sacred cows in this debt limit negotiation. I accept that premise, but Medicaid doesn't get that same treatment. There's plenty of meat on the bone in Medicaid. He's he's given up the whole game also the the entire time because he is flat out admitting. Yes, we all want to cut Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, SNAP. We want to get rid of all of that. And in the first clip, in the Bannon clip, he goes, well, I know that's not politically feasible or whatever he says, but let's start here because they don't seem to be talking about this one as much. So it just shows you what they would do if they actually had the power to do it. But they know that it is politically toxic for them to go ahead and say it. This is why, by the way, that when you ask these Republicans, okay, you want to, uh, you don't want to raise the debt ceiling unless you want to make future budget cuts. All right. What do you want to cut? Name one thing. Name one thing. It's why they never name it, because they know what they want to do is they want to cut these programs that really help people. And Medicaid, I'm looking right now for at least California in order to qualify for Medicaid as an individual. And so it, it's probably even less money throughout the rest of the country. In California, the maximum income level you could have to qualify for Medicaid as an individual is 18, making $18,075 a year. $18,075 a year. So Matt Gates wants to tell the person making $18,075 a year, we're taking away your healthcare, which is probably like the one thing that's actually keeping them together. Imagine paying medical bills in our medical system, in our healthcare system, when you are making $18,075. You could burn through that realistically with one hospital visit. And Matt Gates wants to go, F you, you're poor, well, screw you, while he gives tax breaks to millionaires mm-hmm. and billionaires, extracting money from the people who need it, giving it to the people who don't need it. It's really appalling, and we need to be calling them out. And they try to go, oh, what do you, what do you mean? You would never cut Social Security and Medicare. Well, we just gave you the examples. You heard it for yourself right here on the Midas Touch podcast. So you could take this out, and when anybody tries to do that line, we'll say, hey, what, did you hear Matt Gates say it? Did you hear Mike Pence say it? Did you hear so-and-so say? I mean, there are plenty of examples out there. They are saying the quiet part out loud. This is what they intend to do. And this is why it's so important that we keep these people out of places of power. It is just deeply, deeply, deeply disturbing. Because it ultimately just proves our thesis here that these MAGA Republicans, the Matt Gates of the world, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, these people who will just be so brazen in these attempts to just hurt Americans' like lives. Take their lives away from their livelihood away from them by stripping them of these programs. And what's the solution? Get a, get a third job, get a fourth job, get a fifth job. People are already working multiple jobs. So what are you telling people it, to do? Exa- it's really it's well, exactly. kicking people it, while they are down. It's because, so disgusting. Because they don't care about the American people. They don't care about the average American in this country. They don't. They care about lining their pockets with their big dollar donors' money by getting away and cutting programs like these so it can help them. It, it's so despicable. And that's why they feed them the fake outrage machine, going back to what we were talking about at Mm -hmm. the beginning. Because if you actually had the truthful conversation and said, Democrats are trying to raise the wages for you all um, from a minimum wage or even below a minimum wage to a living wage, 
Democrats are working to improve your working conditions. Democrats are working successfully to bring manufacturing jobs back to the United States. Democrats are working to lower prescription drug prices. Democrats are working for the American people, making education affordable and accessible, taking care of veterans. When you actually have that conversation, the MAGA Republicans won't win that conversation. So instead, they've created an entire propaganda channel called Fox and many, many, many others that have kind of spawned up as well in this right-wing MAGA echo chamber to keep their people constantly brainwashed and angry at the newest issue. Oh my God, they're coming for my stoves. Oh my God, they're coming for my chocolate milk. Oh my God, 87,000 IRS agents. Oh my gosh, this is what, you know, they're, they're doing this. Can you, can you believe it that Democrats are trying to do all of these things? And at the end of the day, it's all fake, it's all performative, it's all BS, and it's all covering up these things. We still got a lot to talk about here on the Midas Touch Network, but the moment you're waiting for, Jordan. We haven't even de- wait. We haven't even delved into the Alina Alina Hobb of it all, have we yet? And then we, the we got so much so more to discuss. We got to talk about that right after these incredible grades. <laughs> Give it up for Jordy, everybody. Oh, hey, when did you get here? Let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Henson Shaving. Look, everyone knows how annoying cheap razors are. The cuts, the irritation, the frustration. And don't get me started with subscription razor services, the headaches that those can cause. That's why you gotta meet Henson Shaving. Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that has made parts for the ISS. That's the International Space Station and Mars Rover, and now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. Razor blades, they're like diving boards. The longer the board, the more wobble, the more wobble, the more nicks, cuts, and scrapes. A bad shave, it it isn't a blade problem, it's an extension problem. By using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes metal razors that extend just .0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. It gets better. The razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson Shaving wants the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no obsolescence. The Henson Razor, it works with standard dual-edge blades to give you that old-school shave with the benefit of new-school tech. Once you own the Henson Razor, it's only about $3 to $5 per year to replace the blades. My first shave with the Henson Razor was incredibly refreshing. The design is sleek and the durability is top notch. The Henson Razor is truly much better than your run-of-the-mill quote-unquote traditional razor brand. And the affordability factor is absolutely game-changing. No more wasting your money on expensive blades. With Henson Shaving, you get a year of blades for just $5. Okay, so here's what you have to do. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com slash Midas to pick the razor for you and use code Midas and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash Midas and use code Midas. 
And now let's talk about our next partner, Grove Collaborative. Did you know that only 9% of plastic actually gets recycled, no matter how much we put in our recycling bin? Well, at Grove Collaborative, they believe it's time to ditch single-use plastics for good. Grove carries hundreds of products aimed at replacing single-use plastics across your home and personal care routine. And by 2025, Grove will be 100% plastic-free. Like Grove Collaborative's concentrated cleaners and refillable glass bottles, they're friendlier to the planet and twice as effective as the leading natural brands. Switch to sustainable products for every room in your home, from laundry care to hand soaps and more. Grove Collaborative has you covered with safe formulas and refillable packaging that never compromise on performance. Personally, I love the Blueberry Treasure soft-baked dog treats because, well, it takes the guesswork out of knowing if I'm getting something with good ingredients for my doggo, and he absolutely loves them. Grove Collaborative is revolutionary. Join over 2 million households already shopping sustainably at Grove. Go to grove.com slash Midas Touch today to get a free gift worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus, shipping is fast and free. Get started right now at grove.com slash Midas Touch. That's grove.com slash Midas Touch. Great ad read, Jay. Let's go. Let's go. The the fans are going wild. (laughs) I wonder how far we could get Jordy to go if we just make up products and have him do funny things. For the the listeners, Jordy had shaving cream on his entire face throughout the ad read. It was uh, was a sight to behold. Go check it out. I will go to the end of the earth for these ad reads. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, let's get back into it, folks. Back, Getting back into it. So Donald Trump and Alina Haba filed a notice of appeal to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. They were sanctioned back on, I think it was January 19th, they were sanctioned approximately $1 million for filing a frivolous lawsuit back in March of 2022 against Hillary Clinton and basically half of Washington, D.C., just airing out all of Donald Trump's bizarre and deranged grievances about how these individuals, he alleged, hurt his reputation by linking him to Vladimir Putin. I mean, it's all public. You you did all you did all of these things. It wasn't filed within the statute of limitations. He didn't even assert a claim. As the judge basically, you know, said in the order, it's basically just the airing out of his political grievances in like a weird and bizarre way. Like it's not <clears throat> even like a real lawsuit. And so not only did Donald Trump file one complaint, then he filed an amended complaint that just added pages to it. So he doubled down on the frivolous uh, conduct uh, that he was engaged in. And then the judge dismissed the case back in September and basically said, you know, look, these frivolous claims need to have a remedy. I'm going to reserve jurisdiction uh, in order to uh, determine whether sanctions are merited, all of the defendants, or at least 18 or 19 of them, filed the sanctions motion. The first defendant got $66,000, and then the other 18 back in January, 19 or so, got basically $1 million in sanctions. And now Donald Trump is appealing that to the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. Now, that could be subject to sanctions because be? really- that's, See, that's what I was going to ask you. So- this, by the way, this was the read. This is one of my favorite of the Ben breakdowns of all time. If you look at the sanctions video, the original sanctions video, because Ben goes through the order by the judge, and it is the single most scathing 
scathing sanctions order I have ever read. He basically calls Donald Trump out directly, directly for the exact political strategy that he uses with his court cases and the way that he abuses the court system in order to threaten his political enemies. And it was pitch perfect. If you haven't read it, try to read it. If you go to Ben reading it, it was absolutely epic. So Trump files that frivolous lawsuit. Now, he gets sanctioned for filing frivolous lawsuits, and the judge calls him out and says this was a BS lawsuit that should have never been filed in the first place, he says. Now, after being sanctioned nearly a million dollars, he files a frivolous appeal of the frivolous law. It's like frivolous inception over here with Donald Trump. And so now that was going to be the next thing I was going to ask you. So filing a frivolous appeal, especially after a frivolous case, can there be consequences to this action? And what are there they? There can be federal rule of appellate procedure, rule 38, as well as 28 USC section 1912, provides for the following. If a court of appeals determines that an appeal is frivolous, it may, <clears throat> after a separately filed motion or notice from the court and reasonable opportunity to respond, award just damages and single or double costs to the appellee. So I believe that Clinton and all the other individuals who now have to respond to this appeal, which is going to cost them probably another seventy-five dollars to $100,000 each, right? The reason why those sanctions were so high was not because it was one defendant, right? It was 18 different people that Trump filed a frivolous lawsuit, and they mostly had different law firms. So they each had to petition for their separate attorney's fees, which some were 50,000, some were 120,000. It all depends on whether they filed the law, what they filed their motions to dismiss together. So now each of the lawyers, they're going to file, they may consolidate it um, just for the sake of not annoying the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, but they could potentially file uh, 18 separate oppositions to Donald Trump. Trump's lawyers will then have to file 18 separate replies to all of the 18 different ones. And then there would be 18 separate requests for additional sanctions. So that 1 million number could actually increase and become potentially $2 million. Oh, it's so great. And, and when Trump filed this uh, appeal, on Friday, he filed a motion to stay enforcement of the judgment by offering to post a bond in the amount of 110% of the sanctions order. So the sanctions order was about $937,000. And so he posted a bond already, him and Alina Haba, using the money he's grifted off of, likely from the political action committees that the Department of Justice is already investigating, which by the way, the federal judge, Judge Middlebrooks, called out as part of Trump's abuse of process. But Trump posted somewhere in the range of $1,033,000 or $34,000 that's been posted with the court. And it's called the supersedious bond. And its purpose is, is that that money would then be transferred immediately to the defendants because it's held by the court. Once the defendants prevail in their appeal, it would get released right away. And so you have to post that bond. So that's what kind of like, like a little escrow account that they got going. I see. And when you break yeah, it down, it's funny to actually see the individual. 
Right. I was going to say, it's funny to see the individual numbers when you break it down and you see like how much Donald Trump actually currently owes Hillary Clinton directly. Like he tried to do this ridiculous case against Hillary Clinton. And out of that nearly $1 million, he actually owes Hillary Clinton. I pulled it up right now. $171,631.06. And that's not including the Hillary for America uh, campaign arm and, and all that. It's it, uh, Talk about backfiring. I feel like the theme of this episode is dumb things back backfiring on MAGA and the GOP over and over and over again. <laughs> because remember, the MAGA strand fuses fascism <clears throat> with idiocracy. Like it, it's dumb fascism too. Like they're not quite smart enough, fortunately, yet to pull off the things that fascists, because they're just dumb. But it combines this idiocracy with fascism and because these people stand for nothing and fall for everything, when you actually call them out, they're very, very, very weak. You know, that's why China, going back to the top of the show, China, Russia, Kim Jong-un, these strong men who lead these countries can walk all over Donald Trump and not President Biden. And all of the projection about Biden being weak Biden's the opposite of weak. Biden takes decisive action, stands up to them. Heck, Biden is arming Ukraine to win a war against Russia right now. It's like, you know, and set, and putting his middle finger to Russia and saying, we're not letting you get away with this. We're not letting you take over Europe and uniting all of NATO. I don't think he gets enough credit for what he's doing on the foreign policy side. You know, and meanwhile, you got Donald Trump who calls uh, President Xi King. Do we do we have the clip where, you know, Trump says, I call the leader of China. I call him. He's my king. He's my king. Here, play this clip. And I was with President Xi, who's now president for life. I call him king. He said, no, no, I'm not the king. I said, yes, you are the king. You're president for life. It's the same thing. He keeps and if you think that Chinese. was some like, I just want to say, if you think that was like a long time ago, that was at his presidential announcement. Like that was like recent, that was recent. And it's not just a one-off thing. He says it over and over. It's, it's like a core part of his stump speeches now that he goes off about how impressive President Xi is and how he calls him king. And I'll just play one more clip just so you know, that's not a one-off. And I had a great relationship with uh, President Xi. He's now president for life. I call him king. He says, no, 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 I am not king. I am president. I said, no, you're president for life. Therefore, you're the king as far as I'm concerned. But I had a great relationship with him. So strong, strong on China, right? Strong on China. So Ben, get, get into the rest. So that's why when they're confronted with a Putin, it's like, yeah, if, if Trump was president, he would have given Putin, if not all of Ukraine, mm -hmm. all of Eastern Ukraine, right? That's clearly what he promised. It's clearly what he promised Putin. You know, he has Chinese secret Chinese bank accounts. He paid more money to China in taxes by far than the United States, which isn't all that hard because he paid no money in, ta in taxes here to the United States. And Ivanka received hundreds or at least dozens of uh, trademarks, 18 in two months, um, and then a ton of other trademarks thereafter. But that's what was was covered at the time. You know, China gave her preferential treatment. And, you know, I, I shouldn't even have to go into Kushner giving classified records to MBS, um, giving MBS, the leader of Saudi Arabia, an enemy list where MBS then killed individuals who are intelligence department 
were helping gather intel on MBS, and MBS then bragged about it publicly, said that Jared Kushner is in my pocket, bragged about it publicly, and Jared Kushner doesn't respond to it. No, that's not true. Screw that. You know, he 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 accepts it. That is who these MAGA Republicans are. They are very, very, very weak, weak, and they're very, very, very much idiots, and they want to be fascists. Unfortunately, they haven't really put the puzzle together because they're focused on all this weird performative stuff. But that's why we're at this pivotal moment where pro-democracy can't sit on the sidelines Mm -hmm. because they're trying to figure out how they more correctly utilize fascism. um, And we have to make sure we stop that. But you juxtapose that to what's going on. We talked about jobs, jobs, jobs. Brett, you want to talk about the great jobs report out. And Jordy, I want to get your take on this incredible jobs report out. And one thing I'll mention is we've got more than 7,000 infrastructure projects right now currently taking place. We're about to have close to 20,000 infrastructure projects. This is, you know how you think it was the new deal? This is the big deal. And President Biden is leading the big deal. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, he stole it from Secretary Buttigieg on our show, who coined it on our show. So I'm not going to give Ben too much credit here, but no, I mean the jobs report was the the jobs report the jobs report was the jobs report was massive, and I think everybody was stunned. Even like the CNBC host, who could be very tough on the Biden administration, and it was horrible on Obama during those eight years. That that CNBC guy, uh, he came out, he was like stunned. He was like, "Wow, wow, wow! I can't even believe that this happened. This was incredible. Like no one's been expecting it." And there's been this just ongoing kind of gaslighting also about the economy, and it's a lot due to the fact that there is inflation and they're conflating inflation with the economy. But what we learned here is that the US in January showed 517,000 new jobs. That was about three times what they expected, about three times what they expected. Unemployment is at an all-time low since 1969. 1969, we landed on the moon in 1969. (laughs) The Jets won the Super Bowl in 1969. Hey, you're right. The Beatles were still a band in 1960, almost not, but they were still a band in 1960. That's how long ago that this was. And I don't think that that's being appreciated enough. And I think I think that the pundits, I think there's the perfect kind of uh, storm right now where people want to pitch doom and gloom about the economy. Since Biden got elected, like since day one, all we've been hearing from the business pundits from MAGA is recession's coming, recession, recession. Where's that recession? Right around the corner. It's a recession. Are we in a recession right now? I think we're in a recession right now. Recession. And then every month the jobs report comes out and the jobs report overperforms exceptions. It's been happening every single time. Speaking of Groundhog Day, which was this week, it's like Groundhog Day with recession all the time. I guess if you say it enough, eventually there will be a recession. Could be anytime in the future, right? Eventually there will be. That's what happens in economies. Economies grow, economies contract. It will happen. Eventually they'll be right. But they've been wrong every step of the way. So why do we keep listening to them? But I think there's also this, you know, I think businesses are happy to go along with that, even as they're racking up these record profits because they go, oh, well, I guess we got to cut some employees then. I guess we got to do some stock buybacks then. You know, it's it's beneficial to them to go from the position of we're in a recession. Oh, I guess we don't need to pay as many expenses these days. I guess we need to raise our prices to make up for it, even though they're making record profits. You have the business people on TV who go on there and they 
thrive on fear, right? The mm-hmm. news wants to scare you. So that's always good for them. And then the Republicans, we obviously know their motives. Everything is going to be bad, bad, bad. And it's this perfect kind of confluence right now of all these forces that are really gaslighting people. And it's really doing a disservice to this country. And you see that take place in polling. However much stock you want to put into polling, I don't put in a lot. But most Americans really don't know right now about the successes. More than half the country, I think, believes we're in a recession, even though all indicators are the opposite of that. So it's something that we need to continue to message. It's something that hopefully at the State of the Union, President Biden is able to convey in a big way. That'll be a a big moment for him. And it's also a big reason as we've been repeating ad nauseum throughout this episode, that the Republican Party wants to continuously distract and distract and distract. But like, it's like, why do we listen? Why do we listen to these people? Why do we listen to these CNBC pundits? Why do we listen to these Fox News business pundits? They're all hacks. Every single one of them is a hack. And then eventually there will be a recession whenever that is in the future. And they'll go, look, we told you, but you were wrong every other month when you predicted this. And I don't understand why we keep giving these people airtime to lie to people just over and over. I'll give you the, I'll give you the answer. And Jordy, I want to get your take because large media networks, both sides, the issues in trying to play it careful or more likely in order to appease their billionaire investors, They both sides the issue and the entire format is basically scare, scare, scare. What we try to do here is give you the facts. If there is something scary that MAGA Republicans are doing, I'm going to show you the backup data behind it. I'm going to go through the court opinion that says it. I'm not going to try to spin you. I'm going to back up each and everything that I say, but I also want to use our platform to talk about solutions. And why there is this massive pro-democracy community here at the Midas Touch Network is that it's odd to me, but that's a novel concept, providing solutions, providing detailed analysis, shaking up the way the media presents their data and presenting the data through this new prism of a little bit more long form. You're going to have to bear with us as we go through the document. But what I've found is why people subscribe to this channel, by the way, subscribe right now. So easy. Just hit the subscribe button. Hit the subscribe. They want the data and they're not getting it. There is a hunger for truthful information and people just know I'm not getting it. What what what's mm-hmm. going on here? Like, can we just put these together? And then finally, you know, it's like, well, here's the court opinion. Here's the precedent. Here's the issues. Here's what they're saying. Here's how this point relates to that point. And the large media networks in their scare machines, in their both sides bubble, appeasing their billionaire investors, do not have the ability to actually tell the news. They just provide this endless cycle of both sides crap. And that's the ones that are better, frankly, than the fascist media networks. Like to to have an enemy network, like to have an, a network that is actually a national security threat in Fox and OAN and Newsmax and is, such a, is such a weird concept to me that every single night there is a network that was created by a family that's not from the United States of America, right? The Murdoch family that's not from America. And they came here with an agenda 
to create propaganda because they were upset that the way that the Nixon uh, resignation went down. And they wanted to create a propaganda machine to destroy the United States of America, to weaken America so that there could become a billionaire oligarch class. Like that concept right there. And then the fact that that network is played so frequently when you're when you go to the lobby of a doctor's office or when you're in a hotel and it's treated like it's normal news. So then the question is, well, what's the solution? And we quickly realized this. This is the solution. And what I want to create here, what I know all of you watching and listening want to create, is that if we have a diagram where cable news is decreasing on the uh, x-axis, um, I want to have this model increasing. And I want at some point they're going to cross. We already get more views on our YouTube network and on the simulcast than large media networks. It's a fact. It's th That's what the data actually shows. So I am proud that that exists. So that is the solution. That's become all of our life's work here at the Midas Touch Network. But that right there is the problem. They have a propaganda network that calls itself news and that really that really forget is do forget doctor's offices, military bases, yep. military bases. People are being our military. I don't know why this is allowed is being fed anti-American propaganda. And to go back to the Chinese spy balloons and the whole fiasco over that, what you saw also in all that is a Republican Party who wanted to use that situation to actually hurt America. If you break it down, they took China's side in this whole thing. They really did. They really did. What would China want more than half the country, than an entire political party going, look at how weak America is. Weak, 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 weak. Oh, loser. What? We're waiting a day. We're waiting two days. Weak, weak. That's exactly what China wants. They are feeding right into their hands all the time. And they do it all the time. And they actually have a lot of connections to China. And that is one of the reasons also why they continuously deflect and they blame Biden and they say that Biden has Chinese. Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous gaslighting. I, I, I just got to play this this one clip because just because I don't think that enough people have seen this clip of Trump uh, acknowledging that the largest bank in China actually has their U.S. offices headquartered in Trump Tower, and he brags about it and says, I love China. I love China. <laughs> like, like, this is the thing. You could go to a Trump supporter. You could say, Trump loves China. And they go, what are you talking about? America first. America first. You go, no, I'm telling you, Trump loves China. Trump does business deals with China. Trump paid taxes to China. Trump has the offices of China's largest bank. Well, I mean, what more influence do you want? To, hmm. How much more influence could he possibly? Their bank is headquartered in his place. Uh, uh, no, he doesn't love China. He doesn't love China. Okay, let me let, let me let me play this. It's a short clip. Let me let me play this clip for you. The biggest bank in the world is from China. You know where their United States headquarters is located? In Trump Tower. I love China. <laughs> it's, from, it's from one of our videos during the 2020 election. But like, uh, he says it out loud, okay? Like, it's not rocket science. It's not secret here. They tell you 
who they are. And this is a fundamentally anti-American party that we are dealing with. And we have a lot of the population that's being gaslit with all this propaganda networks. And that's what we have to combat. And so I hope everybody does join us here, though, tomorrow for our State of the Union coverage. Which what can we expect? Be, uh, we got a lot. We got a lot. So, I, you know, I think Biden has to draw the contrast economically uh, between himself and the Republicans, between Dems and Republicans. And I think you're going to see a lot of focus on the jobs report that we were just speaking about. And what Biden also often talks about in his speeches is an economy that's built from the middle out and the bottom up rather than from the top down. And I think he's going to make that contrast that what did Republicans want to do basically when they right when they got power? They wanted to give more tax cuts to their billionaire friends and impose a 30% tax on all Americans while Democrats are trying to alleviate the burden of high prices on Americans. You're going to see a lot of talk about manufacturing, infrastructure investments, over $700 billion announced in private investment manufacturing utilities and energy for more than 200 companies in all 50 states. We're going to hear about that. Uh, big focus of the Biden administration. You hear, you hear Trump constantly go, America first, America first. Well, Biden's actual focus is bringing back manufacturing jobs to mm -hmm. the United States. So I think you'll hear some stuff about made in America and bringing manufacturing back. Going to talk about health care, especially as you have those clips that we showed you earlier of Republicans trying to come for Medicare, trying to come for Medicaid, trying to come for Social Security. You're going to see Biden talk about lowering health care costs. This is going to be his opportunity here to kind of spike the football a little bit on the accomplishments because not enough people know about the accomplishments. So he'll talk about the 60 million people on Medicare who can now get insulin for $35 a month. I mean, that is a life-changing thing. People need to know why that happened. $3,000 a year in savings on hearing aids, expanded Medicare coverage in 39 states and D.C. Going to hear about the new plans that he's rolling out to cut junk fees like excessive credit card late fees, hidden fees online. You're going to talk about not only helping the working class of America, but you're going to hear him talking about the need for the wealthy and the billionaires to pay their fair share. With the Inflation Reduction Act, he actually passed a 15% minimum tax on corporation that is signed into on big corporations that has been signed into law. He's calling to increase the tax on corporate stock buybacks. This is all important stuff and it all goes through that through line of we need to help the American people who are working, who are doing the work, who actually have the jobs and not the billionaires who are exploiting them. And I think you'll see that distinction made that Republicans simply want to help their billionaire friends. I think it's the difference too you'll see between you know, a, a capitalist system that has compassion, which is what Biden wants to push for, versus a corrupt a uh, capitalist system, which is really at the end of the day, when you break it down, just socialism for the rich, how they just mm -hmm. want to bail out their rich friends every step they go, redistribute the wealth from the workers, as you saw with Matt Gates saying, you know, with everything he was saying, redistribute wealth from workers to billionaires, which is one of the most messed up ideologies on the planet and goes against everything I stand for. So I'm excited. I think President Biden tends to do really well in these situations. We're going to have to uh, suffer through a rebuttal speech by, if this doesn't sum up the Republican Party, then I don't know what does. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, known <laughs> MAGA liar, all she does is lie. They're giving her the opportunity uh, to give the rebuttal. They may as well just give it to George Santos. Just let George Santos do the rebuttal at this point. They're, They're not far away.
they're not far they're not far apart. But I'm looking forward to watching it with you. And you can watch it right here at youtube.com slash Midas Touch on Tuesday. We're starting our coverage at 7:30 p.m. Eastern, 4:30 Pacific. So be sure to check that on out. I cannot wait. And let me just say this too. Like, I can't wait to watch this speech tomorrow for all the reasons that you just pointed to, Brett. But it just goes to really show you. What we need in this country is just stability, right? We need adults in the room. We need someone who's going to roll up their sleeves and actually do the work. And I'm excited for President Biden to uh, spike the proverbial football tomorrow and, and speak to some of the amazing accomplishments that he's been able to do in just a short time in office. You know, when you compare that, uh, you, know, you said Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to be speaking, right? Her big claim to fame that they all like rallied around. She signed a bill in the state requiring the state and national flags used with public funds to be made in the United States. And, you know, it's that performative. Thing. Okay, I agree. We should do that. But that's like their major initiative. I, I'm, I'm surprised that's not happening already in the state. Yeah, but right. for, why was that happening? But, Where were they coming from? <laughs> but, 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 but frankly, the fact that that is an initiative that you hold a press conference for, not like getting people healthcare or making education accessible or raising the wage to a living wage, like helping workers, like any of that type of stuff. No, it's we got the state and national flag um, will be made right here in the American USA. So just take your assault weapons, put them up in the sky. Let's shoot down some balloons. America, Amer you know, like, and it's like, uh, can okay. I just get some healthcare, man? Can I just get some yeah. yeah. I mean, okay. all, also no objection. No, the flag. Yeah, let's have them made here. We we agree. Who are, who who's who's saying no? Show me that. I think that was actually an executive order. So just to show the priorities of her executive, when, when to wield your executive so power. Pathetic. I mean, one so of the things she put pathetic. forward was a ban on CRT in public schools. Doesn't not happening. Not not a thing that's even happening in public schools. Um, just all performative nonsense to distract and distract while they rob you blind. It's the Their same stupidity story is over cyclical. and over. But you know, I think maybe a, a good way to sort of wrap up is to show that you know, for better or for worse probably for worse. Not much has changed in this country over a long period of time. Sure, we see it more, and I would say our extremism is at an all-time high. But there's always been craziness in this country that's come from the Republican Party. So I want to show you, just because I was so fascinated when I saw this clip today, I think this is from the, the 1980s, because I've said on this, I've said on this show, right, Jay, I've said, could you imagine could you imagine these Republicans when we tried to pass like indoor smoking bans or could you uh, seatbelt laws, uh, you know, drinking and driving? And there's a clip. There, we, we have a clip actually of people being interviewed. I believe this is from the 1980s when they decided to make drinking and driving illegal, DUI, driving under the influence. And this is the backlash that happened. And it sounds like it could be the MAGA Republicans of today. And I'll, I'll play this short clip because it's fascinating. Still, any attempt to restrict drinking and driving here is viewed by some as downright undemocratic. It's kind of getting common this when a fella can't put in a hard day's work, put in 11, 12 hours a day, and then get in your truck and at least run one or two beers. They're making it laws where you can't drink when you want to. You, can't, you have to wear a seatbelt when you're driving. And pretty soon we're going to be a communist country. Can't Here's drink the and thing drive, though, when you be watch. communist. When you, 
When you watch that, though, that's actually what General Alexander Haig and frankly, all of the Republicans that I was watching when I watched what was taking place at the 1988 Republican primary debate. And uh, I talk a lot about General Haig, who's frankly viewed a little bit like a war hawk, um, although he's kind of gotten bipartisan praise. He passed about uh, a decade ago, but he talked about in this Republican primary, by the way, he was a the youngest four-star general in United States history at the time. He was a secretary of state. He served as a chief of staff and administrations. And he talked about what leadership should do with populism. And it is important that leaders lead and not go with the ebbs of, you, you know, sometimes where public opinion is dangerous. The role of a leader is to explain the consequences, not to be led by the disasters. And so you have a Ron DeSantis, for example, whatever that issue would be, you know, Ron DeSantis would introduce legislation. I have no doubt in my mind if this was whenever that video that you just showed us and DeSantis would basically say, not here in the free state of Florida, drinking and driving is legal. And it's so woke if you oppose DUIs, that's so a liberal Democrat thing. And, and they would say that's woke. Seatbelts are woke. Uh, DUI uh, being against DUIs is woke. They would be the pro DUI party, and they would give into that sentiment. And then you have leadership like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert because those people. And I could go on and on with Paul Gosar and Gomer. Like I could literally name almost every ninety nine percent of them in the House of Representatives, and most of them in the Senate are like that now. They're the people who you saw in the video who now have positions in Congress. That's, yes. that's, what's, that's what's really going on in the United States right now. But that's why we shed a light to it here. We call it out. We expose it. We talk about humanity. We talk about decency. We talk about democracy. We talk about love. We talk about compassion. And we talk about the real serious need, not in performative ways, but the importance of national security, the importance of making sure the United States of America is protected and the people living here are safe. And we also talk about, to that point, the importance of people having health care, the importance of people not having the government controlling women's bodies or telling you who you can marry. We talk about that here. The large media networks don't. Clearly, the fascist media doesn't. <laughs> and that's why this community is different. That's why I'm so honored to be a part of this community with each and every one of you watching and listening to this. Brett? I'll just add this. We look back at that footage right now and we go, these people are freaking insane, right? Like you're like, but, but guess what? We won those battles. We won. We progressed a lot. We have progressed a lot. That sounds ridiculous because we progressed so much since then. And with your work, with your hard work, with your determination, with your being involved in this fight for our democracy, we could look back 10, 20, 30 years from now and look at these clowns like Marjorie, look at these clowns like Ron DeSantis, and they will just look like as big of fools as those mm -hmm. people in that video. So that's all we need to do. We need to keep pressing forward because in the long scope of history, 
The arc bends towards justice. The arc bends towards progress. But it doesn't do it on its own. It needs you to be bending it. And it doesn't, it's not a straight line always also. And so we are in one of these periods right now where those maniacs have seized far too much power. But guess what? There are more of us than there are of them. So we need to keep it going. And we need to- As a footnote to that, everybody check out Killing County. I executive produced it with Colin Kaepernick, Rob Embriano, Monica Delarosa, and a whole incredible team at ABC and Hulu. I am so proud of this docuseries. It's a true crime thriller set in Bakersfield, Kevin McCarthy's district, which has the highest crime, the highest homicide rate, and the most police shooting deaths in the country. You will see Kevin's secret, which is that this is what's going on in his district. And it's a harrowing tale. You will be both shocked and inspired by the families who told their story in this true crime format. So make sure you subscribe to Hulu, watch Killing County, and please go on social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or TikTok or Instagram, whatever you use, post about it, share it, uh, and tell friends, family, coworkers about it as well. It is truly eye-opening. So please make sure you watch Killing County. Also check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. We have a lot of exclusive content on our Patreon site, but most importantly, it helps grow this independent media platform. We're not funded by any outside investors at all. We're 100% independent, 100% accountable to you. One would say it's probably not the smartest business model to not have investors, but we think it's really, really, really critical to have the model that we currently have. And that's fully funded by memberships on Patreon. So if you're able to do it, again, you'll love the exclusive content. We do once a month Zoom chats where you can ask us anything. The last one we did was in January. We went three hours, answered everybody's question who attended on this Zoom chat. And then one of the membership tiers, you could become an honorary producer of the podcast. If you're already an honorary producer, you can buy honorary producer for other people and put it in their names, even if you don't want your name to show up, or you can donate an honorary producership to some entity or some organization um, by um, just buying it in in their name. And then there's a number of other uh, memberships as well from getting postcards from us, getting the first looks at all of our videos before they're released on YouTube, and so much more. That's patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Also check out store.midastouch for the best pro-democracy gear. This is where you can get your official Midas Touch merch. Show the world that you are a Midas Mighty by going to store.midastouch.com. Get the 100% made in the USA, 100% union made Midas Touch gear only at store.midastouch.com. Also check out, go back, rewind to Jordy's ad reads, go check out Hanson Shaving, go back and check out Grove, rewind it, see Jordy's incredible ad read, um, put the codes in. Um, we appreciate our sponsors. It helps. It also helps grow this platform um, and help us basically pay for all the research and everything that we do. So we appreciate when we have sponsors who support our pro-democracy uh, work here. And of course, we all appreciate Jordy's ad reads. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. We'll see you again tomorrow. 
for the State of the Union with pre-coverage beginning 90 minutes before Biden is set to take the podium. Until next time, I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Shout out to the Midas Mighty! And now let's talk about our next partner, Grove Collaborative. Did you know that only 9% of plastic actually gets recycled, no matter how much we put in our recycling bin? Well, at Grove Collaborative, they believe it's time to ditch single-use plastics for good. Grove carries hundreds of products aimed at replacing single-use plastics across your home and personal care routine. And by 2025, Grove will be 100% plastic-free. Like Grove Collaborative's concentrated cleaners and refillable glass bottles, they're friendlier to the planet and twice as effective as the leading natural brands. Switch to sustainable products for every room in your home, from laundry care to hand soaps and more. Grove Collaborative has you covered with safe formulas and refillable packaging that never compromise on performance. Personally, I love the Blueberry Treasure soft-baked dog treats because, well, it takes the guesswork out of knowing if I'm getting something with good ingredients for my doggo, and he absolutely loves them. Grove Collaborative is revolutionary. Join over 2 million households already shopping sustainably at Grove. Go to grove.com slash Midas Touch today to get a free gift worth up to $50 with your first order. Plus, shipping is fast and free. Get started right now at grove.com slash Midas Touch. That's grove.com slash Midas Touch.